재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been corrected. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today I'll be reading from Park Pomshin's Wedding or Lone Lamp, published in 2001. Born in 1946, Park Bomshin launched his writing career in 1973. Characterized by lyrical depictions of emotion and a nihilistic worldview, he has been a political and prolific writer who's most famous for Eunkyo, often referred to as the Lolita of Korea. The film adaptation of the same title came out in 2012, and its English title was Amuse, not Haha Amuse, but A Space Muse. Lone Lamp follows the stories of four main characters from different social classes in the 1970s Korea. As sons and daughters of communist Japanese sympathizers and comfort women, they live through political turmoil and attempt to find love and happiness in spite of the burdens placed on them by the previous generation. In the first chapter I'll read today, the protagonist receives news of an old friend's passing on a cold winter morning and remembers the kites he used to make. Lone Lamp by Park Pomshin. Chapter 1 The Morning of the Dead. The call came early in the morning. Are you acquainted with someone by the name Seo Young Woo? asked the cracked, irritated voice on the other end of the line. It was from a police station somewhere outside Seoul. Yes, what is this about? You'll have to come out here and identify him. Is he dead? I asked after a long pause. The call had already been disconnected. Perhaps I had seen it coming. I didn't feel sad. I opened the curtains first. In the hours before daybreak, snowflakes floated down in the dark outside the frosted window. It'd been snowing since before I fell asleep. I put the kettle on. It would be cold out and the road would be very slippery in the snow. My head ached and my mouth felt dry as if I'd been tossing and turning all night and I wanted to get myself a cup of coffee first. No doubt, it would snow a lot this year. I ripped a page off of the daily calendar hanging on the kitchen wall. It was December 2nd, 1996 already. Winter was just beginning and this was already the second snowstorm. Waiting for the water to boil, I crossed my arms and looked out over the snow-covered city in the distance through the kitchen window. People, I suddenly heard his dry voice, always cut off my string. This is what he'd said the last time I saw him. 
He was squatting by a frozen riverbank flying a kite that day. Just as I walked up behind him, the string snapped. The kite flinched once and then plummeted into the mist on the other side of the river. To hear his voice more clearly, I paused in the middle of pouring hot water in my coffee cup. I did not hear anything else, but instead saw the remnants of the white kite disappearing into the mist. The coffee was delicious. I sipped slowly, standing by the window and looking at the typewriter with the power still on and crumpled pieces of paper on the desk. I felt the cells all over my body shake off the scales of sleep and wake up instantly. People always cut off my string, came the voice again, more clearly than before. It sounded so clear I almost believed I could open my window and find him standing outside. I subconsciously reached for the window latch, but then stopped myself. It was actually a line in a poem by Rilke. At the blink of an eye, wrote Rilke years ago, at the blink of an eye, people always cut off my string. The sentence resonated much better when recited rather than as a line in Rilke's poem. How many kites had Yongwu made? Some kites were faulty and fell to the ground to rot, but many of his kites were still aloft in my memory. He'd been an expert kite maker since high school. He spent all of his free time soaking and drying hanji paper to toughen them up and carving branches to make the bamboo spreaders. Spreaders were pasted on a piece of hanji with a circular hole cut out in the middle, and then brittles and bowlines were tied, leaving just the last step, painting the tip. Painted blue, the kite was called blue tip kite. Painted red, red tip kite. Gold, gold tip kite. And two colors, double tip kite. The names also differed depending on the color of the apron below the circular hole, such as black apron kite and pink apron kite. At last, my eyes were wet, as if the steam from my coffee had clung to my eyelashes. I put on my coat, scarf, and even a cotton mask, and left the one-room studio that doubled as my workspace. I glanced back inside as I closed the door and saw the empty coffee cup sitting alone on the windowsill. that seemed deserted the newscaster on the radio was chattering away to himself he said it snowed over 10 millimeters the previous night a man in a padded jacket who had fallen asleep at his desk woke up and rubbed his eyes you got here fast the roads must have been a mess the man in the padded jacket drew up a chair close to the stove for me I would like to see him I said without sitting down a kettle was boiling on the stove without a chimney there was a pair of work gloves and a wet hat drying on the steel guard around the stove. I avoided eye contact with the man in the padded jacket and kept my eyes on the hat. What is your relationship with the man? Where is he? Not here. He's at the scene. Did you bring your car? 
He put on his hat and beat his work gloves against the arm of the chair many times. Whack, whack, whack. He knew I'd brought my car, but asked anyway, to stall. If I hadn't hurried him along, he would have wasted over an hour on meaningless chatter. Fine, let's go. He slowly got out of his seat. I had a good idea of where he was taking me. A little down the opposite direction from the city was a mountain path curving to the right that led to Yongwu's country hut, where he had most recently lived. But the man in the padded jacket pointed his chin in the other direction. Take the main road to S-City. I suddenly remembered the hospital located on the outskirts of S-City. It was run by the cultural endowment of the conglomerate Taesong Group. I know where he is. He's got to be there. I was cross with myself that I couldn't put two and two together and figure it out based on the fact that the police station was in N Township, which surrounds S-City. In fact, there was nothing besides a small mountain between the hospital and his country hut. It only takes half an hour. I recalled him excitedly saying, just 30 minutes of navigating through the woods without trails and he could get to a hillside where he could look into the seventh floor of the hospital building without being seen. I'm telling you, all it takes is 30 minutes to see Heju. He had endured over 10 years of wretched solitude to see this woman called Min Heju. The woman was locked up in a room on the seventh floor of the hospital. He got to the hillside every day at daybreak and left when the sun went down. It was a dramatic and sad reunion that went unnoticed for some time. Heju saw me today, really. Excited, he would shout into the receiver. According to him, she had signaled at him by shaking the window curtains. The usual spot where he sat all day was under an oak tree by an unpaved road that wrapped around the hill. The slope suddenly became a cliff further down the hill and beyond that was the hospital property marked by a fence with layers of barbed wire. He could not see into the seventh floor if he got closer to the hospital building anyway. Hiding under the shade of the oak tree, it was only a few dozen meters direct distance between him and her room on the seventh floor. We even talk sometimes, conversations. He confessed, his eyes wet with joy. There was no conversation in the world sadder than this. The distance was close enough that they could have heard each other by shouting, but that would have meant being caught in less than a day, especially since the woman's caretaker and warden kept a close watch. In the brief moments when the caretaker was gone and the woman was by herself, the two stood facing one another with a window between them and soundlessly called out to each other. She said not to worry about her, Heju did. He was probably making it up or hearing things. She also asked if I wasn't cold, he added, elated. It wouldn't have been possible to see the shape of her lips from that far. The desperate words he must have interpreted on his own based on the subtle movement of her lips. Let's try this mountain path here, said the man as he lit his cigarette. To the left, I had a clear view of downtown S-City below the hill and the hospital in question. I didn't have to take directions from the man to know where I was going. Snow fell relentlessly. 
It was impossible to drive up an unpaved hill in this snow. Before long, the car began to slide backward until it finally stopped and the engine stopped as well. Why don't you get yourself some snow chains? The man clicked his tongue at me. The snow came up to my shins except where the tires had packed them down. Unlike the man who treaded carefully along the tire marks, I stuck to the snowbanks. The hospital was now in plain view. The ambulance isn't here yet, I guess. No, not that hospital, I cried in spite of myself. You will never take him to that hospital. Call another one. Well, only his next of kin can request. I am his next of kin. He's my older brother. A large branch at the head of the path broke off that very moment under the weight of the snow. Snow fluttered down and landed on my face and I wiped my wet face with the palm of my hands. I'm his only sibling, I said again as if to drive the point home. I called him older brother, but I never felt he was a brother to me. We're here. Hey, Officer Park. The man shouted up the road. Around the corner, a young officer in uniform and a volunteer sheriff were warming themselves by the fire they built. They got up and saluted the man. A few meters off the path, I saw something covered in opaque plastic tarp in the oak forest. we played in between were Kinagin Yajong or Long Journey by Sentimental Shinori, followed by Irony by Tegon Gamja. Today I read from Park Bomshin's Wedding. This week's quote is from Requiem for a Friend by Raina Maria Rilke, mentioned in Lone Lamp. We need, in love, to practice only this, letting each other go. For holding on comes easily. We do not need to learn it. Once again, that was from Requiem for a Friend by Raina Maria Rilke. at the end of our show. To learn more about next week's topic, please visit our website. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back next Sunday at 10 a.m. with another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is Epitone Project with Sebyeongnyeok or At the Crack of Dawn.